What's up, everybody? Welcome to the Above Bar Go Show. Today's guest is Sia Najad. He is a PGA DFS expert. Sia, how are you doing today? Thanks for joining me. Thanks for having me on the show. I appreciate that. The, 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 the moniker expert, I, I, uh, I am humbled by it. I, I hope I live up to it. But um, I, again, I appreciate you having me on the show. Yeah, well, like I said, it was a, it was a buyer that I could have got on with for a little while. You've done a lot in, in the not only the golf, right? You're an NFL guy as well. You've been covering DFS for 20 years, is it now? You're a sports writer as well. So you, you've done all sorts of stuff. And I have to say as well, I, I've been following what you guys and uh, Greg and, and Rick do on the first court. Real big fan of that. So appreciate you guys. Keep up the good work with that as well. Yeah, I appreciate you saying that. I, I do stuff uh, for the first cut, and it really is a top-notch podcast. They do stuff every day, as you know, Alex. Uh, I do stuff for Wind Daily Sports, SiriusXM, and you're right. It is a, it's a ton of golf that I do. I also do some uh, NFL stuff, which, which I will be doing this upcoming season. But the cool thing about golf, Alex, is it's it's literally like almost 52 weeks a year. So there's yeah. no, there's really no off season. I mean, technically, you know, there is one, you know, when we get to that sort of that November, December timeframe, you know, th there's, sure. there's a little less going on, but golf is a year round sport. And, and I think in my realm, Alex, like with DFS and betting, it's just so fruitful because you know, you have something coming up next week. Whereas in the NFL, for example, post February, you know, it's all gone for like seven yeah. months. Yeah, man, I agree. The NFL just flies past too quickly. So yeah, it's good to it's a good to have the golf all year round. So before we go into kind of what you do in DFS, just for those people that maybe aren't as familiar with it, give us a little, little intro in terms of what DFS is, in terms of the golf and how it works. Yeah, so DFS is daily fantasy sports. And, you know, there's a couple of platforms that I think are the, the major ones out there, DraftKings and FanDuel. I, I think most people are sort of gravitate towards DraftKings for whatever reason. Um, I do a lot at the first cut, you know, when they're when they're going over pricing or for that Monday show, they're always kind of referring to DraftKings. But, you know, both of those outlets, FanDuel and DraftKings are viable. But the point is, uh, yeah, I mean, with DFS, it, it's it's if you've never done daily fantasy sports, you know, a, I encourage you to do it. I, I wouldn't say, hey, you know, put put a lot of money into it if you've never done it before, because it is there's certainly a learning curve when it comes to daily fantasy sports. But what I do, if we're talking about golf, is you know, pricing comes out. And for those of you that are completely uninitiated, when I say pricing, every golfer gets a, a price allotted to them every single week. And so your John Rahms of the world and your Rory McIlroy's of the world, they're going to have a high price. And guys like, you know, Chris Baker or, you know, maybe a Richard Bland are going to have a low price. And so what you have to do under a $50,000 salary cap, which is just a fictitious number that DraftKings came up with, you have to build a six-man team. What I do as I really get into the analytics, I look at the strokes gain metrics, I look at course history, I look at recent form, it, I, I create models. I don't wholly rely on the models because there are blind spots with models that you really need to kind of like dig beyond. But uh, I look at all of those things and I come up with, you know, on these shows like The First Cut or on Win Daily Sports, I come up with kind of a, a player pool that I think has value. You know, like guys that are maybe mispriced or guys that I think are going to contend whether they're expensive or not. And so that's sort of what I do is, is I sort of give that advice out and say, hey, these are the guys that I like. Now it's golf. And so, Alex, you know, as well as anybody, whether you're playing the game or whether you're watching the game or whether you're betting on the game, it is such a volatile sport. 
So mm -hmm. there is no, I hit at a hundred percent rate. There is no, I hit at a 90% rate. What you're trying to do is gain an edge on the field by looking at things that maybe other people haven't seen, or maybe other people aren't leaning on or relying on, for example, recent form, you know, some, some yeah. people might look at a model and they might look, you know, 50 rounds and, you know, there's blind spots there. And I might, you know, for a particular tournament, I might be looking at that, but I might also be looking at course history and recent form and seeing or monitoring an upward trajectory that I think is going to continue to move upward. And so those are the types of things I look at and try to, you know, hammer it at the right time. Sure. So in terms of actually trying to win with DFS then, so is the name of the game basically just trying to pick the players that you think are going to finish the highest in the leaderboard and that's it? Or is there a little bit more to it than that? Well, I, the answer, the short answer is yes, that's what you're looking for. You're looking for birdie makers, people who are going to score. And by score, I mean, you know, make birdies, you know, have e shots at eagles, you know, people, golfers who are putting themselves in the best opportunity to score because, you know, you can't necessarily rely on the putter. That's one of the most volatile things in golf, obviously. Mm -hmm. So you really want to find guys that are at least putting themselves in a position within 15 feet or 10 feet or eight feet and creating those opportunities to score. Now, the, the problem with just answering your question with a simple yes is there's so much that goes behind it. Like, well, how do you find those players that are going to finish at the top of the leaderboard? And that, that's where kind of the strokes gain metrics and recent form and all those things I mentioned come in. But yeah, at the end of the day, you really truly are looking for guys that are going to end up near the top of the leaderboard. And the main reason for that is if they're near the top of the leaderboard, in all likelihood, they are scoring big. Now that doesn't necessarily always, one does not necessarily always equate to the other. You could have a guy that's sort of near the top of the leaderboard, but just didn't score as well for some reason, because yeah. a Bryson DeChambeau who, who maybe finished lower had a couple of eagles or, you know, had some birdie streaks that really got him some points. But in DraftKings and in FanDuel, what you're looking for is guys who A, finish high, but B, also string some birdies together, have eagle, shot, you know, shots at eagle, you know, things of that nature. Yeah. And, and like I said before, you've got quite a history in the DFS with NFL as well, right? And um, I know you're a basketball and an NFL guy more than, than golf, but you've been involved in the NFL side of it for quite a while. You've played uh, in poker tournaments as well. So how did you get into the golf side of, of this and why do you enjoy it? Yeah, it's interesting. So I think golf is probably the most enjoyable daily fantasy sport. And the reason I say that is because the return is over four days. Well, okay, so what I mean by that is I put in a lineup Wednesday night, or I put in several lineups Wednesday night. And depending on how things go Thursday and Friday, I mean, in, in daily fantasy sports, you really want your guys to make the cut. So sometimes you might be dead in the water on Friday afternoon, because four of the six guys or two of the six guys you picked just aren't going to make the cut. And that that's not like the best feeling. But the point is, you have a quote, four day sweat. And you know, what does that mean? It means I can monitor this, this little team I put in for let, let's say three bucks, maybe you your higher stakes, and you want to put 100 bucks, whatever your monetary amount that you're comfortable with is, the point is you get to monitor it over four days. Do you get to do that in baseball? Nope. Do you get to do that in football? Nope, because football, it's, you know, football, you might be putting in for a slate, starts at one o'clock, it ends, you know, there's a, there's a late Sunday night game, or let's say there's the, the, the slate of afternoon games, it's over, it's over after one day, I mean, it's still a long time, but it's not nearly as long as golf, so I think golf DFS is super fun, now how did I get into it? It's funny because I was only doing the only DFS I really focus on, by the way, is NFL and golf in PGA, mm -hmm. and I was doing NFL and I, you know, I, I, would, I had always bet on golf. I've been betting on golf for quite a long time. And it's just one of those things I, I thought the the sports books and the people that were setting the lines, 
I, even to this day, I feel like they haven't fully caught up to like where some of the edges are. And so I think golf is a really great sport to bet on, whether you're betting in the outright market, whether you're live betting, whether you're doing head-to-head matchups, I really think it's fruitful. But in the DFL realm, I didn't really, you know, this is probably like seven, eight years ago. I didn't really know what I was getting into. And it's funny because I put in a $3 lineup and this, and I was a novice at this point. So, I mean, it, it was, this is kind of lucky. Um, I put in a $3 lineup. There were 67,000 people in this random tournament I entered on DraftKings and I got first place. I was actually, it's funny. I was on a plane and I just assumed I was going to be somewhere in the top 200 and it's a $3 lineup. So, you know, if you're in the top 200, you get, you know, 15 bucks back or something, 20 bucks back. It's not like great returns. Well, that's where I thought I was going to land, so to speak. I look at my phone on this JetBlue flight that was headed towards New York from uh, Fort Lauderdale and I log on to the JetBlue Wi-Fi and I see you you won first place, this big like banner and trophy, $5,000. <laughs> and I'm like, oh, that's wrong. Like there's no there's no way this $3 entry turned into 5,000. I didn't even know what first place was, by the way. So I, yeah. I, like, I, I assumed first place was like 2,000. So I literally, this is funny. And this is like kind of like the fun of DFS, right? I, I logged off to the JetBlue Wi-Fi, logged back on and got back into my DraftKings because I was like, that must be an error. Let me look at it again. Boom, there it is, $5,000 first place. And I'm like, holy cow, this is so crazy. It's just a random $3 lineup. Now, you got to be careful there, right, Alice? Because you don't want to sure. assume, well, well, oh, well, if I won 5000 on $3, let me just up the ante and, and start really killing it. And it's like, that's where you get in trouble with betting and with sure. DFS. But that really, you know, just the idea, just the entertainment value of having a $3 lineup whether it wins or not, the entertainment value alone to monitor that over four days and have the, at least the potential to win a thousand or $250 or $5,000. To me, that's enough for me to engage every single week. Yeah. I actually heard that story on one of your Windy Alley sports videos, I think. And didn't you say that before you actually got on the plane as well, you checked it or something and you were like really low down. And then, as you said, when you checked it again, all of a sudden you were right up there. Yeah. So it awesome. wasn't really low down, but it was, it was low down enough for me not to really care. I think I was like 99th right before I boarded the plane. Thanks for listening to that, by the way. But the, the point is 99th was like, you know, like a, a $45 return or whatever it was. So I was like, Oh, this is cool. Like, it's not yeah. like I was, I was like, Oh, this sucks. I was like, Oh, this is cool. Like I've, you know, whatever I've done, you know, 15 times my money. And then, so that's why I was so surprised on the plane. I was like, how did I move up in, in an hour and a half from 99th to first place? But that's the volatility of golf. You can have a couple yeah. of guys that put some birdies together and all of a sudden are in first and second instead of ninth and eighth and boom, you're there. Yeah. I think the thing with DFS as well, it, it's slightly different from normal betting because some people can just place a bet without really doing too much research. But again, as a, as a fan of the, the first court, I know how much, guy, how much you guys put into it in terms of research and looking at all the stats. So I guess it's probably as well quite a rewarding feeling when somebody does come out as a winner or a top 10 or whatever you, and you were like, yeah, I, you know, I called that. Yeah. And it's, it's interesting because first of all, sometimes you can get too far into the numbers and you can outthink yourself. And that goes for any DFS and that goes for betting too, where it's like you, you have an obvious thing just staring at you in the face and you're like, well, no, that seems too obvious. Let me, let me dig deeper and find a, and then you realize the obvious play like, you know, came in and you know, that's, that's actually happening to me right now in the, um, in the John Deere, because I ended up going, I, I loved Brian Harmon and this is happening right now. Uh, and yeah. I love Brian Harmon, but I decided to pivot to Kevin Streelman because I thought that was a kind of a slightly smarter play. And right now, 
Strillman's like in dead last. I mean, the tournament just started, so he can come back. Yeah. And Brian Harmon is, is kind of crushing it. So I sort of outthought myself a little bit there. But yeah, I mean, it's 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 really interesting um, how you can dive into the numbers and and be right and find like it's really cool to find something that you don't think other people have found. Yeah, because it's something I've I've been a kind of a little bit of a better as well. But since I started watching the DFS stuff that you guys do, I've started to get a lot more into the stats. And I was watching the one for the uh, the US Open, and I can't remember whether it was yourself or Rick, but somebody shouted shouted out about uh, Louis Louis Ustazen. Yeah, and you know he had this obviously incredible record that he has at the majors, and he was playing really well recently. And he came in at like fifty to one or something, and I was like, okay. I'm not looking any further and I, I went after him on an each way bet and he obviously just finished second uh, but it just kind of really felt good I was like oh that, that feels good because I've done my research and everybody was pointing towards him and and he's got ahead and finished second and won me some money to reward him. Yeah and, and the cool thing about guys like Louis is and, and I was I was on him US Open week so that mm-hmm. might have been me but to, to Rick's credit it might have been him as well I don't remember but the cool thing about guys like Louis is and even like a Streelman who I picked this week, you know, if you find the guy that's not like the sexy name, you know, everybody wants to bet on, you know, John Rahm, deservedly so, or sure. Bryson DeChambeau, not so much deservedly so. The Jordan Speeds, like if you can find the guy in that sort of second tier, and I'm not, I'm not putting Louis Ustazen down, but I'm just saying in terms of the consciousness of, of the avid golf better, you know, Louis not one of those guys that you, you expect to bring home a, a trophy. Mm-hmm. And for the U.S. Open, he was just such a good fit. And, and frankly, you know, at, at places like the British Open, or I should say the Open Championship, um, I think he's a great fit there too. Mm-hmm. For sure. Yeah, it's going to be interesting. And we'll dive into that in, in a little bit. But what I want to know more from, from you is then, um, what is your strategy, let's say, for the John Deere Classic or the, or the Open that we're going to talk about? What sort of things are you looking at? What's your sort of strategies that you're using when, when deciding your, your team for that? Or you're not your team, but your players for that, that weekend? Yeah, so my process is pretty intentional every week, and it's partly my process because I prepare for, we have a First Cut Sunday show, and then we have a First Cut Monday show, and then I have a Win Daily show Tuesday, so part of my process is sort of preparing for those shows as well. What Mm -hmm. I'll do on like a Saturday, for example, um, usually at least pricing isn't out on Saturday for, for DraftKings or FanDuel, but the field is out, so I can at least look at the field, I can look at the course, and just get an early lean of guys that I think I'm going to like, you know, in terms of I'll do some limited research and I'll just kind of eye test it and say, Hey, you know, these are the guys I'm just definitely going to keep an eye on. I actually like to do that before pricing comes out because I think pricing can sometimes taint your view. And what I mean by that is you might have, you might have eyes on Aaron wise, for example, and say, Hey, I think Aaron wise is going to crush this tournament, but then you see his price and let's say it's really low. It's lower than you thought. And then you start to question yourself. Oh shoot. Why is it so low? Now the the reverse is true as well. You could be like, Oh, I'm going to take advantage of that. But my point is sometimes the pricing or the odds can kind of taint what your initial uh, initial Mm -hmm. impression was. So I like to look at the guys that I'm going to like, even before the betting odds or the, or the DraftKings pricing come out. And then once it comes out, which is usually on, on, my side of the Atlantic is usually Monday morning or Monday, I should say Monday early afternoon. And then I just dive in right away. Like, where's the value? Um, I create a model. Uh, I, I just kind of go down the tiers and, and we do this to prepare for the first cut as well. We go down the tiers and talk about who we like, who we want to fade. And then as the week progresses, so post Monday, I've already created the model at this point. I've already created a list of guys that I know I'm going to like. Then I really have to dive deep and start Xing guys out that like I, I liked, but then I realized when I when I look a little bit further, whether it's my model or whether it's just looking at the strokes gain metrics, you know, round by round over the last, you know, 24 rounds, for example, 
I'm like, all right, this, this doesn't really look as good as I originally thought. So sure. that's pretty much the process. And it takes me to Wednesday night again on, on my side of the pond, if you will. And I usually have a player pool at that point of somewhere between probably 15 and 25 guys. And I just start, you know, making lineups. Yeah. And, and I touched on it a little bit before in terms of, are we looking for just people that are just as high up in the leaderboard as possible? But when you're picking from that first range, let's say then, so you're basically suggesting that they maybe should win it. And then the next lot that you're talking about, you're thinking more like top tens, top twenties to, to score some points. Exactly. Exactly. Because it, it all, all depends on the tournament. Like at the John Deere, which is happening now, I think you can anticipate the potential of a of a 7k guy or an 8k guy these are guys that in the odds market would be in like the 100 to 1 range or the 80 to 1 range you can anticipate those guys potentially winning in a field like this but when it comes to like if we're talking about like the open championship or the u.s open you know there's only so many guys so so you're right you you have to kind of pick oh who, who do i think can win but then okay who can slide into the top 10 and really get me those points that nobody's really expecting yeah uh, so who's maybe like the best pick that you've ever had then in your time doing kind of DFS and stuff like that? Who's the one where, I don't know, maybe you went out on a real limb and it came in or something like that. Who's the, what's the best you've had? So a couple, a couple things there. Um, I, I do something for Wendell called the, like a secret weapon. And, and what that is, is a guy that's under 7K, which, which means he's going to be in that 6K range for the uninitiated. That's the lowest range poss- possible. And that's a range where people just generally don't make the cut. And, and I, the secret weapon, it, the, the calculation there is he has to be in the 6K range and he also has to be under 5% owned. In other words, it has to be a guy that the industry didn't pick off and say, oh, this is kind of like a, a golden ticket. This guy's mispriced. My sure. record there currently is 39 and 10. So I'm operating at 80% wow. for guys that are unowned essentially, and who are in the 6K range. And just to give you some perspective from an odd standpoint, these are guys that are probably in the 125 to 250 to one range. These guys are kind of like guys that have no business making the cut. So (laughs) I'm really proud of that. And I've had some guys come from that, like, uh, let's see, James Hahn, I think was contending at the waste management, but he got caught by, I can't remember who, maybe it was Xander or Brooks, maybe might, might've won that one. Uh, recently I had Hank Leviota as my secret weapon play. This is two weeks ago. He had one and a half percent ownership and he was contending down the stretch. Mm-hmm. Um, I'll tell you the most recent one. And this is, this is something about betting that I think people really need to understand. And it's that the live betting aspect is really, really important. Sometime last year, Dustin Johnson was about eight strokes back after day one. And the guy who was in the lead, I can't remember who it was, but it was, it was a relative no name. So his lead like didn't matter. He had a, basically an eight shot lead over Dustin, but you knew he wasn't going to win. So the next guy down who was like kind of decent only had like a five shot lead over Dustin. So in my mind, I was like, okay, Dustin's really only five shots back. He was 80 to one. So I hammered, I hammered that. I, I advertised it on, on, on some of the shows that I do. And that came in. And so it's just one of those things where, you know, it's not just about picking an outright before the tournament. If you see a guy like a Dustin Johnson who happens to have a bad day one, but the field ahead of him is kind of, I don't want to say garbage. They're all excellent golfers, but not Dustin Johnson's caliber. You sure. can really take advantage of, of those things. So Dustin Johnson is the most recent example. As the show goes, I'll try to think of somebody that <laughs> might, might be not of the ilk of uh, uh, the class of a DJ. For sure. And you said at the moment you're really doing just like the PJ stuff. Have you ever thought about getting into like the European tour or the women's game in terms of DFS? 
I have, and actually I put in a lineup for the Scottish Open. I have, I don't do a lot of DFS when it comes to the European tour. And that's just, that's just because I'm just not there yet. I don't, I don't have the education that I would want to have mm-hmm. in terms of like the courses themselves or some of the players. I obviously know a, a lot of the players because they play over here as well. And I can see their stats, obviously, but I, I'm coming from a place where I just don't have enough information. But yeah, I do want to get more into the European tour. And I actually do make some bets on the European tour, but they're generally, you know, kind of like afterthought bets, you know, outrights things. And it all hit a one or two, like once a year, you know, again, I, that's more luck as far as I'm concerned than it is like really like breaking down the tournament. But I think it's fun to bet on those as well. Yeah. And looking at the, the open then, um, I don't know if you could talk about this, this soon with you doing all your shows and stuff next week to, to do the preview, but I'd love to get a little insight from you in terms of maybe who you're looking at, um, and I know it's still what a week away, but have you got any in mind at this yeah, point? Yeah, I mean, I, I've you know, I've definitely. Sure, go ahead. Yeah, yeah, I, yeah. There's definitely some guys I like right off the bat. Like I, as I look at the odds board, for example, I mean, John Rom really sticks out at me, and I don't think that's a surprise. It's not exactly a sneaky play, but I, I you know, I think on a tough course like this, I think he's going to be really good. The scrambling is going to be good. I think the off the tee game is going to be good that the putter looks to have come around. So in terms of like that upper echelon, I think I like John Rahm. I mentioned Louis Oosthuizen. I thought I saw him at 28 to one, but it looks like where I'm looking, which is DraftKings, uh, it's 22 to one, which is not yeah. the best number for a guy that yeah. generally doesn't close. But if you can get him at like 28 to one or get him at w- with a good price on DraftKings, I, I think he's interesting. Uh, you know, a lot of these, European players like Tommy Fleetwood, who hasn't been in good form. I think he could be a nice little surprise on this course. He's 40 to one. So he's clearly getting respect uh, in the betting market, at least if, and I say respect, I mean, obviously Tommy Fleetwood's a good golfer, but he hasn't really been that good lately. Um, You know, guys like Lee Westwood, I think are interesting. Uh, Cam Smith, I think is interesting. Outside of that, I haven't really done a lot to to look. I think Harris English is interesting. He's 66 Mm -hmm. to one. I just think he's in really good form. I would probably give a nod to guys like Higo, um, Migliozzi, I, I think are, you know, stars in the making. I think Rory is probably a really good course fit. So there's just sort of a handful of guys I have in mind so far. Yeah. And with Jordan coming back to form a little bit, and obviously he's won there before, any looking at him or how do you feel about him for this one? Yeah, I, I like Jordan. I wonder how much trouble he's going to get in off the tee. And he hasn't played a lot lately, which doesn't really worry me, but it's just one of those where I don't know if I have the requisite information. I mean, am I going to play him in DraftKings? I'll probably play him a little bit because he's just, he's just such a great golfer in the outright in the betting market at 18 to one. I'm, I don't hate it. I don't hate that number at all, but I don't think I'm going to be engaging there. Yeah. And are you surprised by McElroy? I've got him at second favorite here, 12 to one. I mean, I just, I mean, I talked about him a lot recently on some of my episodes. I'm just really not sure which McElroy is going to turn up at the moment, but I do feel like with a big crowd at the open, as well as the Ryder Cup coming up in September, that he's going to start to get that fire back. Hopefully. How, how do you see him doing for the open? I think he's going to be comfortable. I think he's going to be more comfortable than, than most of the, this top tier. He is coming in with pretty good form. I don't love the number. I would never bet somebody that's 11 to one uh, in any golf tournament because I just don't believe in those numbers. I would rather wait until after day one and see if maybe they fell back a little bit and maybe 11 to one becomes like 18 to one or something. However, in DraftKings, you know, pricing is already out. 
And he's 10,900. He's the, he's the second one on the board uh, after John Rahm. Mm-hmm. I don't hate it. I, I don't like, I'll probably have Rory in some lineups because I just think his upside is, is really, uh, is, is just, he, I think he has great upside. And I think with the new swing coach, I, I think he's really kind of elevated his game a little bit. So I, I think Rory is a good play, but I'm not taking him in the outright market. Yeah. And you mentioned a couple of outsiders there. Well, not outsiders, but maybe mid-range ones like Louie and Tommy. Any any more kind of outsiders that you like? I mean, I'm looking at uh, Fitzpatrick here. He's 50 to 1 for this tournament. I'm just waiting for this guy to win. And I think if he's going to do it, it's probably going to be on, let's say, British soil where, where you know, the courses suit him better. I'm so glad you brought him up because I, I th- that was a misstep by me. That, that is definitely one of the guys I like at the at the Open. So, and I think that's a great number. And I, I absolutely think he can, can contend here. If we're looking for more like kind of longer shots, I think Bobby Mack, as I call him, Robert McIntyre at sixty six uh-huh. to one is is pretty interesting. I mentioned Higo; he's sixty six to one as well. You know, Martin Keimer at 80 to one, he's, he's looking like he's in good form. I think these are numbers that are interesting enough in the outright market for me to put a few bucks on them potentially. Sure. But to your point, I really like uh, Matthew Fitzpatrick. I think that's yeah. a smart play. Yeah. Any, any love for Shane Lowry? Do you think he's played good enough goal to, to try and win this time? You know, I'm usually, to- the, I'm usually the guy that, that just doesn't play Shane Lowry. I think he's going to be great in these conditions. I just wonder about his upside. I, I don't think he can win this tournament, if I'm being honest. Am I going to play him in, in DraftKings? You know, as I, as I scan the pricing, you know, he's, he's probably going to be a very favorable price. So I think the cool thing about DraftKings and, or DFS and betting is if you like a guy, but you're scared of playing him in, in DraftKings, you can say to yourself, okay, well, I'm just going to, I'll just do an outright bet on Shane Lowry. I don't want to play him in DraftKings. Conversely, in my case, I don't like Shane Lowry in the outright market. I probably don't like him quite as much in the top 20 market as some might, but maybe I want to play him. Okay. So I'm not going to take the chance on him here. Let me just, let me just invest in him with some DraftKings lineups and I'll put him in, you know, two of the 10 lineups I'm making, for example. So I, I think that's a kind of a, a, a neat way to kind of integrate DFS into your, into your betting is, is to kind of give attention somewhere, but maybe not somewhere else. Sure. Uh, what about Cameron Davis at 150 to one? It's kind of interesting. Uh, no, not having that one. No. That first, first win. Yeah, I, I, I love what he did the other day, but I think, I think the Open's probably going to eat him up a little bit. In fact, if he ends up being a miscut, I wouldn't be surprised. I think Cam Davis is going to be really, I think he's going to be a great golfer. He's still young. Mm-hmm. I don't think he's ready to take on this course. So I'm going to go ahead and pass on Cam Davis. Yeah. I mean, just to wrap up then, what did you, what did you make of his performance the other week, the other day when he, when he got that first win? I mean, uh, I chatted with Mark Immelman a little bit about this. And for me, like it was a little bit of a mixture between, between, you know, who won it and who lost it. Cause Cam Davis, uh-huh. I mean, he just, he almost for a second didn't look like he was going to make a port. I mean, he had like three or four in a row, maybe five. And I thought we were going to be, either watching him lose or seeing another eight hole playoff like the week before. Yeah, it was, you know, and he chipped in, I, I can't remember if it was on 17 where he chipped in and that really kind of. From the bunker. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I mean, you know, those are shots. Those are shots that win tournaments. They shouldn't go in, but there's shots that win tournaments. And it's funny. I had an outright on Hank Lebiota in, in that tournament. And, oh, wow. and for the record, that outright was 110 to one. I had him and Coke rack nice. were my, my big plays and both of them obviously contended. This is, I guess the rocket mortgage classic. And you know, it's one of those things you're right. 
I think a handful of guys probably lost that tournament and Cam Davis was there for the taking. I think if, if we were coming down, like, you know, if we were coming down the last few holes, he would have probably been like fifth or sixth, you know, be, behind mm-hmm. Neiman, behind Lebiota. Lebiota parred the 17th and th- he had no business parring the 17th. He should have birdied it. If he had, he would have been in the playoff as well, or he absolutely could have won it. So I, I give credit to Cam Davis for closing, but I don't think this is a guy that's going to consistently win on the PGA tour anytime soon. He talked to me in two years and I think he's a guy that's going to be really relevant, but not yet. Yeah, he struggled with the putter a little bit, didn't he? But um, as you mentioned there, that chip in, I think it was 17. And then that was for Eagle. And if I'm not mistaken, he then birdied 18 to keep the playoff hope alive, right? So that was pretty clutch mm-hmm. from him. Absolutely. Very clutch. And that's that's what you need to win golf tournaments. Um, by the way, I'm, as I'm looking at these odds, I, I, I can't believe I'm saying this, but Charlie Hoffman at 200 to 1, it's 200 to 1. And he's such a good ball striker. Now, is he, is he going to be good? Over over at the um, Royal St. George's, I, I'm not so sure. But mm-hmm. anytime I see a, a guy that's been, and by the way, he's he hasn't played in a couple of weeks. So on DraftKings, he's 6,700. I mean, that's that's an easy call for me to kind of like put him in a couple of lineups. Not, you know, it's not a, like a lock button thing where it's like all Charlie Hoffman all the time. But when I see a guy like that at 200 to one, you know, I, that's that's too rich for me. I, I, or it's not rich enough. I, I'm going to have to put a few bucks on that. I mean, mostly because it's fun, right? Like, I don't do I yeah. expect him to win the tournament? Not really. But his ball striking over the last, let's say, 36 rounds has been top five. I mean, no question about it. His ball striking is there. So, yeah, I mean, he's uh, he's 150 to one of mine, but that sounds nice either way. 150 to 100. I mean, what of a guy? I mean, again, I don't think he's going to be a winner, but possibly a top 10. You've got Russell Knox down at 200 to one as well. I mean, kind of conditions golf course that would suit a Scottish player could be a top 10. Oh, uh, actually. Yeah. I, I, well, I mean, I would, you, the good news is with Russell Knox, you're going to get, you're going to get a favorable number for him in the top 20 and the top 40 market as well. I don't think he can come into the top 10, but I do think he's actually a pretty good course fit in the, you know, he hasn't been good this year, but the form is actually trending up. So I actually think that's a really smart play. He's a plotter. I think he can kind of navigate that course pretty well. Um, it could also go sour, but anybody in that range can go sour. So in terms of like the top 20, top 40 market, I think Russell Knox is a smart play. Sure. Well, listen, Sia, thanks very much for talking to me today. I really appreciate your time coming on. So for everybody that wants to find you on Instagram, it's Seeing the Jad Sports, Twitter, it's Seeing the Jad. You've got the Wind Daily Sports going on on YouTube, First Court. Anywhere else the guys can find you? Yeah, the only other place I would say is maybe, you know, to the extent people have Sirius XM, I'm on Fantasy Sports Radio uh, every Saturday. We have a show Saturdays and Sundays, and I co-host a show Saturdays uh, 5 to 7. We talk a little golf, but we talk all the other sports as well in case people are into, you know, baseball, football, NBA. But no, you're right. The best place to find me, honestly, Sienajad Sports on Twitter, on uh, excuse me, on Instagram is is a place you can find me. But Twitter at Sienajad is, is definitely the, the place I frequent the most. So please come find me. And uh, if, you, if you have any questions, I'm, I'm not hesitant to just answer a question on Twitter. You don't have to be part of the Wind Daily Sports family for me to, 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 for me to be responsive. So um, yeah, please feel free to add me. Awesome, man. Well, we should do this again sometime. It's a pleasure talking to you. Good to meet you. Awesome. Thank you very much. I appreciate it. Thanks, everybody. Cheers. See you.